Hi, family, and welcome to our midweek service tonight. We're so delighted and thrilled that you've joined us this evening, and I'm glad to have you back to help me speak tonight. We get to do this every day on a, a short basis yeah. and, uh, and share our daily prayer updates, so it's nice to do it in the evening. Well, I love it when you and I get to preach together and speak together because... Uh, you just bring a whole nother perspective to the message. I started to say, we get a different little insight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's one of the reasons that God puts couples together the way he does. is because husbands and wives can share. You know, we're one in Christ, but we're also, we have our unique perspectives on things. It takes both of us to make the team. <laughs> yes, it does. Well, tonight we're going to talk about the secret habits of passionate followers of Christ. And they're no secret, it's just that we practice these habits in secret, and so that's why I've titled the message that I, we have titled it tonight. Um, I've always admired great athletes. I've always admired, you know, the pitchers watching them pitch, uh, warm up for pitching before a ball game. I've always, I remember in college we'd go over to Tigertown in Lakeland and we'd watch the Tigers, you know, in their spring training, and they all go, have a routine they go through. Um, Tiger Woods... According to his friends, that uh, an article I read in Golf Magazine, he hits over 800 golf balls oh, a day. Oh, wow. Well, you know, we're getting ready for the Olympics this summer. Yeah. And they were supposed to have been when the COVID stuff first started. Mm -hmm. And can you imagine if the athletes had have just said, oh, well, we're not going to have the Olympics this year, so we won't, we won't practice anymore. We won't work out. Yeah. We'll just... We'll rest for a year, and then we'll do it next year. <laughs> well, there's not only muscle memory, but there's mental memory that we build as That's well, right. and spiritual memory. Um, I think part of life is the important factor of learning how to make good, godly memories that you celebrate together. And these disciplines that Jesus taught us, they'll help us to do just that. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said to young Pastor Timothy, he says, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself, practice, discipline yourself. Use the illustration of an athlete right there. Of an athlete. Yeah. I, I um, tonight want to just ask you, if you would, to just think in the terms of how athletes have their routines, their habits. Maybe you have some habits and routines. Um, I know I try to exercise my voice. I do it when nobody else is around. <laughs> we hear you yeah. <laughs> down the hall. <laughs> my... Um, brother-in-law's father came to me one time. He says, I need you to talk to, to my brother-in-law. He says, I'm afraid he's going to ruin his voice. And so I talked to him about some vocal exercises to do. I don't know if he ever did them, but he's still preaching he's up a still storm. He's still going strong. Yeah, he's so. still going strong. <laughs> well, before we get started with the message and before we pray tonight, would you please remember to be faithful with your tithes and offerings? You can give right at uh, on our website by just going to woodland.church and clicking the tab that says give, or you can text to give. 77977, keyword, Woodland Church, no dot, no dash, no space. Man, that's almost like a song with you. <laughs> it works. 77977. <laughs> anyway, please do that, or you can mail a check right here to Woodland Church at 24101 Van Horn Road. Did I tell you what someone at the township told me? No. <laughs> yeah, we were in a meeting, and they said this, and it just tickled me. I mean, I started laughing. I thought it was great. He says, God lives at 24101 Van Horn <laughs> Road, Brownstown. And he meant that as a real compliment, you know. He says, I'm convinced of that. 
So right now he lives in this room because I brought him with me. <laughs> yes, he lives within our hearts. Well, let's pray together. And would you pray tonight for us? Sure. Father, thank you that you not only gave us your word, yes. but you gave us very clear instructions of how to take this word and use it in our life. Yes. Grow, grow in our relationship with you, grow in our relationship with those around mm. us. Father, that everything that you've given us, Lord, is to strengthen us in our walk yes. with you, that we not grow weary, but we can raise Hallelujah. up, Lord, on wings like eagles. And Lord, learn to soar, learn to be everything you've created us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, I hope the whole idea of habits and discipline and routines, I hope that appeals to you because all great leaders, all great athletes, even good parents have mm -hmm. certain habits and routines that they have made a part of their life. If it's a swinging a golf club, one time I thought, I mean, I had a moment of temporary insanity. I thought I could be a tennis player. Yeah. Yeah, and one of our really good friends in Georgia went to Georgia on a university scholarship playing tennis, and he had the insane idea that he could teach me to play, <laughs> play tennis. That didn't last very long, did it? After a few times going out to play, we were both delivered of that insanity. Well, sometimes it always looks easier when the other person is yeah. doing it. <laughs> well, part of the reason that I wasn't a good tennis player is that I couldn't take the time to do what he thought I needed to do yeah. that he does all the time. And so he's still a very good tennis player. You know, even the most disorganized person has routines. Oh, yeah. We may have a routine of being disorganized, <laughs> but we all have Don't them. Don't say we because yeah. you're organizing the <laughs> stew out of me right now. We all, all have those things that we need, these disciplines in yeah, our life. Yeah. And focusing in on them a little bit from time to time helps us, helps us to stay where we need to be. Well, again, the reason we call the disciplines we're talking about tonight secret is because Jesus said they should be practiced in secret. They're not a secret, but they should be practiced in secret. Uh, look at this passage with me tonight. For Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter 6. He says, when you fast. He didn't say if. No. When you <laughs> fast. In other words, he expects us to be fasting. When you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people would admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is their only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair, wash your face, and then will, no one will notice that you are fasting except your Father who knows what you do in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. I love that. Yeah. Several years ago at work, we were right in the midst mm -hmm. of our church. We have a period of time during the year that's coming up pretty soon that we fast. We do a 40-day fast. And I just never said anything about it. But every day they'd come around and they'd take the lunch orders and the dinner orders, and it was like, Would, do you want anything? I'm like, no, thank you. So finally, one of the girls said, you don't ever eat. And a guy down the hall hollered, yeah, she's fasting right now. Don't ask her again. So. Yeah, but, you know, you would have never known it. I didn't tell him. Yeah. He just knew what time yeah. of year it was. Well, there were people in Jesus' day, they would just get, oh, I'm fasting. Oh, I'm just doing this for God. It's just so hard. And yeah. Look at me. Yeah, and Jesus said that's their reward. You know, they want people to see them and go, oh, you're such a good man. You're so holy. Oh, yes. But Jesus says when you fast, get alone 
but it needs to be a habit, the habit of fasting, something that we regularly do and make a part of our lives. Now, here at Woodland Church, some of our folks fast a meal once a week. Some of our folks fast a day. Some of our folks will choose times when they will fast from technology. And there are different kinds of fasts. Yeah. You can do like a Daniel fast, mm -hmm. which would be basically eating uh, fruits and vegetables. Yeah. And no meats, no, no sweets. No meats and no sweets. Mm. Uh, some people will do like a total liquid fast, yeah. and all they take is liquids. So Now, liquid fast would be like juice and water, not nutrition drinks. Right. <laughs> right, okay. You know, it's not fasting if you're drinking milk or if you're drinking uh, a muscle milk or something like oh that. Oh, my goodness. The first time I ever fasted, yeah. I was so proud of myself, and it was like, this is not hard at all. <laughs> and my pastor said, well, what are you doing? I was like, well, I just drink a glass of milk every day. And he was like, no, you can't drink milk. But, you know, I think God understood. <laughs> oh, sure, he understood. You were learning. Do you remember the fast, total fast we did with the exception of water? Yes. Oh. It was like, what, 100 days? <laughs> no, it was more like five days, but it felt like an eternity. Yeah. And do you remember what we did at the end of the total fast my motto in food is if you fry it i'll try it and we went and got the biggest hamburgers and big platter of french fries at our favorite little deli yes. that and was a mistake after not eating anything for five days and then chowing down on hamburger and french fries we were some sick puppies <laughs> <laughs> it was awful it was awful. but do you remember what happened after that fast we had yeah. this power encounter where we had to meet head on the power of the enemy in somebody's life yeah. and god delivered and set them free and that's one of the benefits of fasting is it opens you up to the power of god at work in your life now it's probably important that we talk about why we fast as well and why mm -hmm. we don't fast. We fast in response to God. We fast in response to certain situations in life unto the Lord. So, for instance, when I do a fast, I'm really fasting, and what I encourage our congregation to do is fast unto the Lord. Let your hunger be a sense of directing you towards Christ. Let mm -hmm. your thirst be a sense of directing you that we need Him more than anything else in this life. But if someone dies, for instance, it's just normal to want to fast. Or if someone that you love gets really sick, it's just normal. You don't want to eat. It's a physical reaction that yes, you don't want to that's eat. that's a great way of saying it. It's mm -hmm. a physical response to the presence of God. Mm -hmm. But there are some times that people should not fast. Yeah. And usually those are like medical reasons, mm -hmm. like diabetics, mm -hmm. um, expectant mothers or mother nursing moms, yeah. uh, people that have some kind of physical thing in their life that they can't yeah. fast. But there are other ways that you can set aside that time to focus on the Lord, right. to turn your attentions, to spend extra time in prayer, because fasting is more than just abstaining from food. Right. Right. You're taking that time that we would have been spending at the table and spending it in God's Word, spending yeah. it in prayer, and focusing on Him. That's a very important point, honey, because dieting is not fasting. Right. You know, there's nowhere in the Scripture to support um, that if you're dieting or if you're, you stop eating it's because you want to lose weight, 
that that's a fast. When we fast, we're fasting unto the Lord. We're spending that time that normally we would be eating, like you said, in prayer or studying the Word of God or mm-hmm. serving somewhere, just, you know, serving others. Mm-hmm. It's a fast and a focus. That's a great way to say yeah. that. I'll, yeah. I'll write that down for you. Yeah, you thank you. <laughs> well, the second habit that a secret, that a, a secret, that a little, the <laughs> Try again. <laughs> One more time. The second secret habit, that's a little more difficult to say than I thought. The second secret habit of a Christ follower is solitude. It's hard sometimes yeah. to be quiet. Right. To set I'm a... sorry, I'm tickled at myself. <laughs> I can't believe I went to blow up. I can't. <laughs> All right, back to the point. Solitude. Solitude. Um, solitude is not loneliness. No. Solitude is a time of reflection. Yeah. For some of us, solitude is a lot easier than it is for others. I think you enjoy and you thrive in solitude. Yeah. After a while, i got to have some people around. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are replenished the more you're around people. Yeah. And for me, it's replenishing for me to be alone in the presence of the Lord. Because when I'm there, you know, I'm, I'm in a process of discovery. It's a process of, of discovering what it is that needs to be addressed in my life. For instance, am I becoming more responsive to God? Go ahead. I'm not only being responsive, but that ref- that reflects back in our lives yeah. to the kind of person we are. Are we becoming more loving to those around yeah. us? That's true. Well, I, I want to become more responsive in loving God. I want to become more responsive in loving my family, mm-hmm. but also loving our congregation and loving our community. But there are times when I've been in solitude and I felt this prompting or this leading of the Holy Spirit, and I go, mm-mm, don't want to do that. Boy, when, the, when you have those times that you're just really alone with God, he can take his little finger and just put it on something in your heart and go, hey, let's talk about that. <laughs> now, see, that's interesting. He never just goes, put it on my heart. He just goes, put it, Dennis, do this. Yeah. Well, some of us respond a little easier than others. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you said that. Are you calling me stubborn? No, tenacious. <laughs> well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, right here in our Sunday morning service, I had one of those solitude moments right here in the sanctuary while we were worshiping, mm. and I struggled for just a moment obeying the prompting of the Holy Spirit. But I have had several men call me as a response to wow. obeying the Lord. I haven't had a single woman so that says a lot to me, several men that have called me and have said, Pastor, that spoke directly to my heart. God has a way of, you know, hey, he has our undivided attention yeah. when we're in that time that we're in prayer and fasting. Right. That he can speak to our hearts and to be responsive means we have to set ourselves aside. Yeah. And it's important in solitude, and this is where I was going with that, is if I am resisting the leadership of the Lord, why am I resisting, mm-hmm. you know? If I come to a passage in my scripture reading and I find myself resisting, why am I resisting that? I need to get on my knees and pray about that and say, Lord, give yeah. me a willing heart, give me an obedient heart. Or if there's a prompting that after a while I just determine this really is the leading of the Holy Spirit, yeah. why am I resisting that? Because the last thing I wanna do is resist the Holy Spirit. I don't wanna resist God. No one loves me like Jesus does. No one loves me the way the Lord does. And yeah. the last thing I want to do is resist his leadership in my life. 
Don't you think that has a lot to do with our self-will? Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. We're, we're battling. Maybe it's not what we feel God is directing us to, yeah. but the fact that maybe it doesn't fit with what we want. <laughs> when I look at you, God has just invested so many talents and gifts into your life. It's amazing, you know, what you're able to accomplish. That's another thing in solitude is am I using the talents, the time, and the treasure that God has given me for his glory? A few years back, I decided I was going to play the cello. Uh-oh. I so I got, I got a really inexpensive cello. Bad-sounding cello. <laughs> Bad-sounding. I thought I was just going to be Yo-Yo Ma in just a few <laughs> weeks here, you know. I thought you were going to be Yo-Yo Ma. Oh, boy, was I in for a surprise. <laughs> I think I actually gave the cello away to somebody else. <laughs> it's like, here, you try. But I did some reading on him during that yeah. time, and it so surprised me. Someone asked him in an interview, said, how much time do you spend practicing? Yeah. And he said, as little as possible. Really? And I thought he was going to be, you know, like Tiger Woods, yeah. you know, 800 golf balls a day or whatever. Yeah. But he said, I spend much more of my time reflecting. I think about a piece of music. I study a piece of music. I listen to other people who have played that music. How did they express it? How do I want to express it? And then I look at that piece of music and I say, what is, what is familiar here? What, yeah. is, what is going to be the easy part? Right. And then he said he looks at the part that he knows mm. is going to be difficult. Why do, I, why do I keep missing that note? Why is this a difficult stretch? Mm. And I ponder over that. Mm. And that is, a, that is such a strong um, skill or discipline, yeah. if you will, of not just doing something repetitively right. for repetition's sake, but taking it and pondering and thinking about it. Well, when you stop and think about that, that is one of the greatest illustrations of a good use of solitude because mm. he's not wasting time yeah. as he's alone with the music, listening to other uh, composers or other musicians, and then saying, what's the difficult right. part? He's learning to address that here. And there are things in solitude, if we learn why we're resisting God's leadership, and once we, maybe we don't understand it, but as we learn to submit and yield and we ponder in our hearts, like Mary did, if we mm -hmm. think about these things, if we train ourselves the way Paul told young Pastor Timothy, if we ponder those things, then God will often show us solutions and how to carry out what he's called us to do. So what do you say to someone who says, okay, that's a great thought. How do I do that? Talk to Becky. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to Pastor Rick. Talk to Pastor Corey, Pastor Mark, you know. No, really, when people come to me sometime and, and they ask me, what should I do with this thought or this prompting? Uh, it's really pretty simple. I, I don't make it complicated, and I, I don't think it's as complicated as people make it. I say, all right, share with me what the Lord has laid upon your heart. Then the first thing we're going to do is we're going to look at, is it biblical? Yeah. We're going to ask some tough questions from the Word of God. Is it biblical? The second thing we're going to ask, is this timely? Is this a time in your life that you need mm -hmm. to do that? For instance, someone recently contacted me and something that happened decades ago and they thought maybe they should go back to this person and i said no no no, no. 
That person is married. That person is established in a family. You don't need to bring up past sins and past relationships. You leave that. You give that to God. That's one of those things you do in secret between yeah. you and God. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you just you leave that because sometimes people mean well. They're, they're, there's guilt, and, and the Lord is prompting them to confess their sin or maybe get somebody to, to, to partner with them. But it's so important. You know, you have a mature Christian in your life, a pastor, a small group leader. You know, if you're a student, your, your parents, if they're Christians, it can give you wise uh, counsel. And even if your parents aren't Christians, they love you and they want what's best for you. They'll do their best to help you. But the timing question is very, very important. And then I say just wait upon that because sometimes those promptings, they're not always exactly what we would think immediately they are, but if we'll wait yeah. upon the Lord, He will make it clear. Two years before you and I returned to the pastorate, I was teaching at um, Southeastern College in, mm -hmm. in Lakeland, Florida, and while I was at Southeastern University, I should say, Southeastern, and I knew then God was going to return us to the pulpit. I was speaking about a year later in the month of April, and a friend of mine came to hear me speak, and while I was speaking, he made a beeline to me right to the platform. As I was coming off the platform, he says, you're going to go back to the pastorate, aren't you? And I go, at some point, I really believe that's what God's doing in my life, but I said, I really need you not to talk about that with anybody. <laughs> he goes, while you were preaching, he said, I, I, just, I just felt prompted to come and encourage you that that is of the Lord. And then you remember we were walking up a hill in Georgia, and we looked each other, at each other and said, it's time. And the church we really wanted to pastor in Georgia called us, and we just couldn't get a release. Yeah. And of all things, God called us to Michigan. I remember somebody calling and me one time and saying, we will never live in Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's important you have good prayer partners. You, you have the word of God to guide you and to lead you. You understand timing and you wait just to see. You know, don't be in a hurry. God's going to pull you through. He's going to lead you. So there are some things that we can do in mm -hmm, our daily life mm -hmm. that um, help us through those times, yeah. that help us to build a foundation so that we know how to process things like that Absolutely. when they come in our life. Absolutely. Number one, I'd have a good devotional, read a devotional in the morning. Be sure you're a person that reads the Bible all the time. And then start your day with gratitude. I, every morning, every morning, I get up and I write down the things that I'm grateful for. Things I'm grateful for about your life, things I'm grateful that God is doing in us, our children, our grandchildren, our congregation, the community we live in. You start your day so much better if you started out of gratitude rather than grumpiness. Well, I start my day with a cup of coffee because even God don't want to talk to me before there's coffee. <laughs> well, I have to be honest. I have coffee too, but um, I'm, I'm awake. When I get up, I'm awake. <laughs> I do every day, though, start my day not with my prayer list of needs yeah. and my worries and concerns, but I start my day with... Just a good morning, Lord, yeah. and a worship and a praise yeah. um, to set the, the atmosphere for the whole day. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to practice solitude, it's really important that you 
you learn to journal, write down what you're thinking, write down maybe what you're worried about, maybe write down what the needs are in your life, because as you write them down, and recently I heard somebody say, you know, you should print them because you print even slower. I've shared this with the church here before. C.S. Lewis would not use a typewriter because he said he did not do really good thinking, typing. It was too fast. Imagine using oh, a wow. computer. <laughs> But just sit down and write those things out and make them prayers. I journal my prayers. I don't write mm -hmm. word for word what I'm praying. But today as I went through my prayer list and I was praying, there are times when I just stop and I lift my hands and I worship the Lord and, and I pray about those things. But you will be able to see one day, and the kids, of course you could see at any time, what all I've been praying about. But give it to the Lord and talk to God about your relationships as well when you're in solitude. Because when you come out of your time of solitude, whether it's daily or if it's an extended time, you want your relationships to be really good. I like to pray when I'm in my garden because usually I'm by myself. And there, there have been times when I forget that I'm not by myself. There are neighbors in the yard <laughs> next door. And I was planting some flowers and I was praying over something specific. And I heard on the other side of the fence, my neighbors say, I'm praying with you. <laughs> Come on, Victory. Isn't that great? <laughs> I love it, but I forgot I wasn't in solitude. Yeah. Well, the third and final habit we're going to look at tonight, we'll look at three more next Wednesday night. And thank you again for joining us. And, and can I just remind you one more time, please remember your tithes and your offerings. If you love your church and you appreciate all that we're doing, today we were able to help people in our community. We were able to help our missionaries. Uh, yesterday I was able to help someone else in the community through the church. Thank you for your faithfulness and tithing and offering. And uh, I think it's up on the screen right now, different ways that you can give. But the final habit that we want to look at tonight is the habit of Bible study. You know, I have my grandfather's Bible. Yeah. He was a pastor. He was a circuit writer, pastor. Right. I have my father's Bible. He was a pastor. And one of my disappointments with my grandfather's Bible is that he didn't write in his Bible. I know it. You've told me that before. I was so hoping that there were notes in there and things underlined. My dad's Bible is full of scriptures he's underlined, things he'd written in the margins, and I write all over my Bible. So anybody ever, I'm not so much of a journaler, but I write in my Bible. <laughs> well, writing in your Bible, and you do, you write a lot in the Bible, it's, it's a way you can have a conversation. And if you're wondering what I'm doing, I have a timer on us and I'm trying to keep us on track tonight. Let me rephrase that. It's I'm trying habit. to keep myself <laughs> on track tonight. But Bible study is different than your devotional time of reading. Mm -hmm. When I'm reading my Bible devotionally, you know, I'm not looking up you know, the history. I'm not really looking at the context. I'm trying to listen to God. But when I'm studying the Bible, I'm trying to do what the Apostle Paul said, and is that study to show yourself approved. I, I want to have that foundation in my life, and this doesn't just come through devotional reading. I want that foundation in my life that I can teach my sons and my sons' sons. And that's what God said to fathers in the Bible. He says, teach your sons, teach your sons' sons, or I should say parents, teach your children, teach your children's children, and the purpose of that instruction so that they would live godly lives. Mm -hmm. We were talking with someone just over Christmas that they said, you know, I've, I've read the Bible mm -hmm. all of my life, off and on, but I really don't know how to study the Bible. Yeah. And we've been corresponding back and forth um, about 
how to really just study the Bible, yeah. taking a scripture, reading it, thinking about it, right. pulling out words, Good. and and where do you start? Yeah. Oh my goodness, where right. do you start? Well, where do you start is, 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 I would say, is really simple. Look for, you know, scriptural promises that you can claim in your life. Look for uh, commandments that you can obey in your life. Maybe look for prophecies about, you know, when Christ is going to return or fulfilled prophecies like when Christ was born, when the first advent, which was Christmas, and then the second advent when Christ is going to return. Look for warnings about sins that you should, you know, mm -hmm. confess and forsake. And that was kind of the call that I had gotten uh, earlier. But, you know, the, the dear brother had confessed them, but all of a sudden the enemy was beating him up with guilt and he thought yeah. maybe he ought to talk to somebody. No. Some things you just need to leave in the hands of God and I was able to point that out to him through the scripture of how we do that. But the moral basis, your, mor your morality is founded upon something. You know, your moral decisions, your ethics, they're built upon something. And there's no place better to build your morality or your system of ethics and to build it upon the word of the Lord. William Bennett was writing about this. Bill Bennett used to be the Secretary of Education. He was writing about this in Imprimis Magazine. And let me just read to you just a, a, a brief clip from that uh, article that he wrote. We say that we desire from our children more civility and responsibility, but in many of our schools, we steadfastly refuse to teach right and wrong. We say that we want to encourage virtue and honor among the young, but it has become a mark of sophistication to shun the language of morality. From the ancient Greeks to the founding fathers, moral instruction was the central task of education. If you ask, what is the good of education? Plato would have said, that's easy. The education makes good men, and the good men act nobly, or good men and women. Thomas Jefferson believed that education should aim at improving one's morals and faculties. And of course, he means their thinking. And of education, the philosopher John Locke said this, "'Tis virtue that we aim at, hard virtue, and not the subtle arts of shifting. Don't you love that wow. phrase? The subtle arts. You know that person that's always just kind of looking for a way to weasel in yeah. or out or change their mind? There's something new. I'll go over there with that for a Make little while. Make an excuse. The virtue that we aim at, hard virtue, not the subtle arts of shifting, until a quarter of a century ago was this. Consens this consensus was so deep as to go virtually unchallenged. Having departed from this time-honored belief, we are now reaping the whirlwind. And if I'm right, Bennett says, the chief problem we face is spiritual impoverishment. And the solution depends finally upon spiritual renewal. I am not speaking here about forced spiritual renewal. In fact, there is no such thing. In other words, you can't force it down someone's throat, mm -hmm. but about renewal freely undertaken. You know, when our kids were growing up, we decided to homeschool in those early mm -hmm. years. And then that was a great decision for us. It was. Well, actually, I remember when you came home, we had babies, and you came home all excited from a conference, and you said, uh, we're going to homeschool. And I remember looking at you and going, what do you mean we? <laughs> I knew who that was going to fall on. But it was one of the best decisions yeah. we ever made. And then when our children got up older, we mm -hmm. gave them the option to go to a traditional classroom or to stay in homeschooling. And... 
we did that because we wanted to instill in our kids in right. those early years how to be self-motivated and self-directed rather than peer-directed and that we were able to teach them not only in religion and, and their Christian faith, but as citizens, right. as, as a part of a community, why do we believe right. what we believe? Mm -hmm. And we were able to do that in those formative years. So if, if you're not, you know, homeschooling is definitely not for everybody, as a lot of people have learned <laughs> this year. <laughs> um, but take time. Yeah. Whether, whether it's, you know, after your evening meal, that you're teaching your children these things. Yeah. And here is, the, here is the foundation that I think I really want to get across on this point. Look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 with me. Let the message about Christ in all of its fullness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. You should underline that in your Bible teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives and how do you do that well you do that first of all by listening to messages like this and scheduling a daily time as we've already talked about to meet with the lord a good study bible yeah choosing a um something that stretches you a little bit mm -hmm. but also is on a level that you're really understanding I really highly recommend the Life Application Study Bible because it's not only a good study Bible, mm -hmm. but it asks you some very penetrating questions and it gives you different ways to apply the Scripture to your life. And then I further recommend Bible study guides, the Spirit-Filled Life mm -hmm. Bible study guides. Oh my goodness, I started reading those years and years ago. I have all of them now. And it's just been such a blessing for me in my own private devotional time and Bible study time to work through those. Um, for instance, they'll deal with not only books of the Bible, but you can get them that deal with doctrines like the doctrine of salvation or the doctrine of the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the doctrine of healing. Very, very important mm -hmm. topics to go through from a spirit-filled perspective, and I really enjoy those. I think those three things that we've talked about tonight, yeah. fasting, solitude and Bible study. They have to go hand in hand. Yep. Uh, fasting is just not a time to not eat. Right. Solitude is not just a time to just empty your mind. You know, and, and Bible study is more than just reading. Right. So those things go together hand in hand. Right. I don't think that you're really ever really going to understand these disciplines and really benefit from them unless you do them in solitude, excuse yeah. me, in secret, in secret. Yeah. Because Jesus says, when you pray, we'll talk about this next week, when you pray in secret, the Father will reward you in public. When you fast in secret, the Father will reward you in public. When you get along with the Lord and you make him more important than anything else mm -hmm. in your life, there's a richness to that that I think that is just overwhelming. And if Jesus needed time to pull away from the yeah. crowd, to go into the mountains, to pray, and to fast, yeah. how much more so do we need that? Hey, this has been great tonight. This has been fun. You want to help me finish it up next week? Sure. All right. Well, let's pray. You lead us in prayer tonight. Precious Lord, we thank you, Lord, that this life we lead is not one that's left in loneliness or abandonment, but you walk every step of the way yes. with us. 
And you have not only told us to follow you, but you've given us your word to encourage, to uplift, to strengthen, to guide us in making decisions. You have given us your word beautifully, poetically. Lord, you've given it to us in simplicity at times that you just say, love your neighbor. And Father, I pray that everything that we have talked about tonight, Lord, would just take root like good seed and good soil. Father, you would help us to grow in our relationship with you, grow in our disciplines, grow, Lord, in listening, grow in spending time, grow in learning to follow you in total and complete trust. In your name we pray. Now, Jesus, I pray for those who want to begin fasting. I just ask you to give them not only the discipline, but the right motives and the strength. I pray for those who want to begin to learn how to spend some time in solitude, not loneliness, but just alone with you. They may only have five minutes a day, especially if they're a young mother, Lord. And I pray for those tonight who want to study your word. You will reward them richly as they apply themselves to the word of God. And Father, we pray in Christ's name that you will continue to protect us from this COVID virus. Grant us strength and fruitfulness in ministry for all we say and do. For it's in your name we ask. Amen, amen, and amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. And thank you for helping me this evening. This was fun. fun. It was. (laughs) Good night.